I like to introduce podcasts. That's so, fair. Um, I need to, in my head, come up with. Now we're now this is like <laughs> the start. <laughs> well, I think we're we're nailing it so far. I think this is really great. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Also, um, this is Dream Buddies, or no, we're gonna call it that because we don't have a better idea. We don't really have a better idea. The only other running joke requires explanation because without the explanation or being in on the inside joke, it just it the irony is lost. Oh yeah, no. Um, so I think it's Dream Buddies, and then um, the subtitle is a lifestyle podcast promoting cultural Marxism. Is the uh... <laughs> that's better than the future vanguard of American fascism? Yeah, well, it's or the, the future one? vanguard of American fascism. <laughs> oh right, or, or yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, do we do yeah, like yeah. we can do that colon title thing? Like what's it, what it's life? What it's like a, a day in the life of a clone colon a rope of sand? Yes. Yeah. 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 Lots of colons and semicolons. <laughs> just, mm. How uh, how long can you make a a subtitle before it becomes obnoxious? Is the real question. Um, that's uh, I feel like that's a good question for like the internet of what movie had the longest subtitle. Oh yeah, that's a that's a classic pub quiz question. I'm sure that oh yeah someone would contest the answer to. <laughs> they have some sort of <laughs> exception. What that's what like pub quizzes are. Like I feel like I don't know. I've been out of the I've been out of the dating game for a long time. Like it's been <laughs> ten years or whatever. Uh-huh. But like I feel like a pub quiz is a good first date because I feel like pub quizzes can like. It's like that dumb thing they did in Firefly where they made up that Chinese poet who was like, oh, you could, you could, um, you can share a room with a man, you can eat with him every day, blah, 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 but not until you, like, dangle him over the volcano will you truly meet the man or whatever. That was the, like, their fake quote. It's like, yeah, yeah, you won't really know a person until you see, like, all the horrible qualities that are brought out of them by a pub quiz. Either they're going to get, like, really aggressive and it might not be in a fun way. Yeah. Um... Or they'll do that, like, angry whispering at you thing because, like, you have the pen and they're trying to get, like, you to hear their answer, which is you've dismissed because it's very clearly wrong. <laughs> or uh, or they're one of those, like, pushes glasses up. Uh, excuse me, actually, you'll find that the longest movie subtitle is. It's one of those. So what you're saying is you and your wife don't get a pub quizzes. <laughs> <laughs> Because I fear because it, you do all of the above. <laughs> I fear it might ruin us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, grants for divorce. Ah, oh, pub quiz is one of the check boxes. It's good. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just here. Um, Why? Uh, I used to. So I used to live in Cambridge, and when I lived in Cambridge, um, me and some people from work would go to this pub quiz. I didn't really like pub quizzes, but um, they were quite into it. And I was like, well, it's the only work activity. I mean, work activity I want to do. Um, mm. But it was always very demoralizing because we never, even when we did well, because it was Cambridge, there was like two probably university challenge nerds in the corner who were just yes. really, really good at quizzes. So you just sit, see like two people sitting there and then we'd have the maximum team size and they would crush us every time. We'd be like, we don't even know these people. They don't know anyone else here. There's just two of them that show up and win every time. <laughs> they are, but they are wrecked. They are just loving this, crushing yeah. all of you fools. There, which I mean is totally legitimate, you know. It's the it's totally fair enough. 
Uh, <laughs> all right. All right. Do you want to hear mm-hmm. the longest movie title? Go on. Yeah. Yeah. Night of the Day of the Dawn of the Sun of the Bride of the Return of the Revenge of the Terror of the Attack of the Evil Mutant Hellbent Hellbound Flesh Eating Subhumanoid Zombified Living Dead Part Two in Shocking Two D. <laughs> But by the, James Riffle, nineteen ninety one. Okay, well that sounds like they made like a joke. The title to like as a yeah. joke. Which I mean that's the thing, it's very difficult to what I want is the longest legitimate title where someone has oh. you know like it, ha- has the title of their film and they, they really think it's important to be to be that. So like you, um for instance or like have like unnecessary detail in it. So for instance, like Sir Francis Ford Coppola is recutting The Godfather Part 3 because mm. everyone loved it the first time so much that he, <laughs> he was like, the people need more. Um, and I want to watch my daughter die over and over and over again. Um, mm. But the, he's recutting and the, the title he's doing to recut it is like The Godfather, the Godfather colon, um, the like long death of Michael Corleone or something to give away oh, the geez. ending of the film. You're like, what? <laughs> Sick. It's pretty good. Like that's the kind of thing I want. Where you're like, what? Really? I mean, any like real realistic marketing department would be like, no, you cannot, you cannot do this. But uh, but yeah, we need creative control over a project. Um. Oh, okay. So yeah, you're not going to accept the night of the day of the dawn no. uh, series because apparently it's um. Series of parody films, which we could probably yeah. guess in the title, yeah. but it's uh, James Riffle adding his own scripts and already known films and television footage after deleting the original scripts from the film. So, like, it's it's like compilation, like it's footage that's been put oh, together in a very particular way. Oh right, oh I understand. Wow, that seems yeah. tedious in the nineties with like manual video editing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's what James Riffle loved to do. So, like, I guess. Like, I can totally understand a film like that making the title being like, we're mm. getting into the Guinness World Book Records to have the longest title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but like, what is the, I guess what you want is what is the longest film title where there's actually like a regular film budget worth of work behind it? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, that's like a non-parody film produced by like a major studio or whatever the equivalent of the studio system is in a different country i i i see i i don't want to put in the parody rule hmm. but like you have to have made like a 90 minute film in the same way that most people would have made a 90 minute film yeah it has to be like new footage you have to have shot a film on a budget yes yes so th- i we can go to the second longest one if you want yes go on Persecution and assassination of Jean-Paul Marat as performed by the inmates of the Asylum of Charitain under the direction of of the Marquis de Sade. Yeah, I accept that. Pe- That's pretty good. Peter Brook, 1967. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty good. I'm going to copy and paste so I can Google search it and find out what's uh, what's going on here. It's abbreviated to Marat Sade. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah, see the problem with these like posters is the title takes up most of the pages yeah see this is the thing the I, I think this is quite it'd be quite rare because because of that reason if like we're not promoting this because no one will remember what it's called and therefore they won't remember to go yeah, see yeah. it <laughs> so you end up with a yeah. subtitle that people don't let me say like like birdman had a like a in quote in brackets title after it 
Right. Uh, the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance is what it was called. So it was Birdman or, and then in brackets. But everyone just calls it Birdman because it was Birdman in giant writing and then in tiny writing, the additional <laughs> bit. Um, which put you on art to this is a this is a play oh, okay. that they filmed. Yes. So again, I'm not sure this is uh, the same as what we would want. Yeah, Damn. that's that's fine. The quest continues. <laughs> I think we can give up on this quest. I think what we've learned yeah. from this quest is that it it there's no fruit to it. It's a fruitless quest. <laughs> <laughs> I I I like a night of the day of the dawn uh, mm. purity for. It is a title format that I felt like this happened in 1991. Yeah. But it's a format that deserved, you know, mockery so many years previous to the fucking um, Planet of the Apes prequels. Yeah. Because I feel like I, I got very annoyed by the amount of of the clauses that there were, were in those title because it was like Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yes. Yeah. Two is too many. I don't two understand. Is, like, I too feel, many. It was also very patronizing because it was also like, you know, that was like a studio executive decision because they definitely could have called it Dawn of the Apes and people would have known what it was. Yeah. Also, because, you know, there was at a, at a point where the end of the planet, uh, spoiler for the planet of the Apes, <laughs> Apes the uh, <laughs> 1960s success story. Uh, the, uh, yeah. Success Earth, story. Yeah, yeah, success story of Apes. Man goes to space successfully. <laughs> well, yeah, also that. Yeah, man goes to space successfully, and Dr. Sayus is very successful. Um, yes, he's a doctor. The twist is that it's Earth. So, yeah. uh, like, so, sorry, sorry, sorry. It really just sounded like you were setting up your daughter with Doctor Zayas. You know, Doctor Zayas is very successful. He's a doctor, you know. You remember him? <laughs> Why did you two never get together? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> uh, Why can't you marry a nice boy like Doctor Zayas? <laughs> like Doctor Zayas. Um, He's working on humans now. <laughs> yeah. He's working on the human now <laughs> because this <laughs> is. No, there's multiple. They're just like a oh, weird yeah. slave underclass. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's true. Unlike now, am I right? What? Uh, yeah. what uh, yeah. Satire. Um, the like, I mean, it's Earth, so you can stop calling it the Planet of the Apes because mm. we know what that it's Earth is. The in fact, actually, Earth was always the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, but that's but you can call the first one not like something else in order to yeah. trick people. But after that. Yeah. You should acknowledge that because actually, having seen the first film, my memory is for the second film, it's quite important to have seen the first film. Of I think the, like, after that, it gets trilogy. pretty crazy. No, of the of the original film. Oh, the originals, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they had that naming convention as well, where it was like blah 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 of the Planet of the Apes, mm. um, uh, like Escape from the Planet of the Apes was also not great because you're like, okay, what do you mean Escape from? Space, the planet, <laughs> the planet. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's the planet of the apes. It's a planet with apes, and um, it aged well. It's a, it's a good scene. That scene of the end of the film. You see, when I try to search "Planet of the Apes 2, the prequel mm-hmm. second film takes like takes Google SEO. Takes yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, actually, no. Okay, so the second of the original trilogy. It does have mm-hmm. no weight. God damn it. No, this sucks. I hate this is actually really hard to find because also on top of this, you have mm-hmm. Planet of the Apes, um 
2001 by Tim Burton. Yeah. Yeah, the Tim Burton one with the terrifying masks. Yes. Um, and this, it's very hard to Google these films and find the one that you actually want to talk about. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate that the original films didn't know about search engine optimization. And I'll give Tim Burton a pass that he was probably not personally aware of search engine optimization problems in 2001. Mm, like, should yeah. have been, but understandable that, you know, not really totally together. Uh, the Space Jam website wasn't a success. <laughs> that changed the internet movie game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, the, new, the new films should have started doing better at that, you know? Anyway, yeah. So it was. It was originally. It was Rise of the Planet of the Apes, then Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and then yeah. War for the Planet of the Apes. I feel like I'm willing to give for the of the a pass. Yeah. But uh, Rise of the and then Dawn of the. It's uh, uh, I can't. I can't. I can't abide by it. Also, they weren't very good movies. Um, that's my hot take. I haven't seen them. I'm unlikely to because you've now told yeah. me they're bad. So. Yeah. James Franco is pretty good in the first one, and then he's not in any of the others. Oh, right, yeah, because um, Gollum is the real main character. Yeah, Andy Serkis, yeah, yeah. That's what I said. Um, <laughs> it's actually the Gollum prequels. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the way I... Like, it's before he lost his hair. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, War of the Planet of the Apes is the prequel to The Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. And... Think of like the transition between uh, the Planet of the Apes reality and um, uh, Lord of the Rings as like kind of an Adventure Time style like event has happened to cause mm. magic to be real, um, and people are like, we don't remember the before times. It's always been like this. What are you talking about? <laughs> yes, yeah, that's how it works. Um, this seems like one of those insane things, isn't it? Like the. I can't remember what that universe is called, but like there's someone who's made the like insanely large shared universe. Oh yeah. Pivoted on like one weird episode of like a seventies sitcom or soap opera or something. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, the the autistic kid in General Hospital. Yes, guess, uh, that was it. I don't remember his name. Uh but yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about enough for this to be a, a, a coherent topic. So <laughs> moving on from Kieran's general anger at the 2011 prequel series of the Planet of the Apes. And we're never touching it again. Um, no. The uh, What are you working on at the moment? How are your hobbies going? Yes, yeah. So this is this is Dream Buddies. Where we're going to like keep hold each other to the fire and uh, uh, keep working on our uh, projects and life goals and aspirations, so that we can be full and complete humans. Um, so yeah, think of it as a two men's journey to fight off depression. <laughs> is this a good idea to make it to a podcast? Let's find out. Um, what? Am- what am I working on at the moment? Um, I'm getting back into making comics. Yeah, uh, that that's the general that's the general pitch. That's Kieran's arc in this podcast. Um, the the I'm distracting myself by doing tiny like busy work before actually working on comics. Mm, um, classic. 
classic taking on smaller smaller tasks so a made of font um, nice yeah that's really good what a very uh, what kind of font describe the font to me <laughs> this is this is the tiny building blocks that i'm making towards a comic it's a handwriting font it's a comic font yeah nice naturally enough um this is mainly due to my frustration of like a not being able to find a nice comic font that i like Hmm. and b um when i do find a comic font i like it not having accent marks that i need it to have yeah right of course yeah because it's always like just basic english um Mm -hmm. no diacritics and then i'm also very aware that i'm like you know i'm making comics in german germany and I'm, i'm probably going to have to translate them into german at some point if i want to like get anywhere with them yeah that's a good opportunity for you to learn more german i mean i'll get someone else to do it (laughs) (laughs) i will never learn this language i really think you should learn more german but that's not that's beside the point that's that's not we'll start another podcast uh nine uh nine podcasts all right (laughs) Uh, well well done (laughs) Uh, uh, jokes expect that in the podcast um yeah so what was i say yeah so i've been doing that and i've made a font i'm pretty happy it's got, it's got all the diacritics that i need except i don't have an s set yet because i'm also not certain if germans use s sets in comics because mm-hmm. um usually if for people this is some this is some inside tips here for people who don't really understand comics comics are usually written in all caps mm. um the whole way through i know it seems weird when you think about it for too long but that's just how it is and it's kind of normal uh why is that is that for readability uh they like okay i know so many comic artists who say that but also Mm. as someone who studied graphic design all caps is not readable yeah that's what Um, i was gonna say because that's like um you see you see a lot of like web design stuff that has like lots of caps in it and the lots of cap stuff is really hard to read when especially when it's next to a paragraph that's not in all caps you're like i'm gonna read this first because i can't read that okay so kieran kieran remembering uh what he did in college rant which is there is a difference between legibility and readability Mm. so Mm -hmm. like uh classic example the longest consecutively running sci-fi show of all time stargate sg1 has a readable title specifically a readable title Mm -hmm. because it's in all caps which isn't necessarily super legible yep but it also has like a lambda instead of an a like the a without the crossbar in it yep which you know in greek is like an l sound or whatever it's not actually an a but it's readable because english speakers know that is an a or Mm -hmm. is meant to be in substitute of an a Mm -hmm. um that's what readable means but like legible is this is a font or layout of text that will not strain people's eyes or brains when they have to read large paragraphs of it. Yeah, so like, right. Yeah, yeah. Fonts used in newspapers and novels have to be legible, but uh, readable is a different thing. Like readable is like logos for example can get very abstract like mm-hmm. especially when the logo is just like a word but then it's like broken up in certain ways or like yeah. like punk and metal band titles if they have like a logo they're readable because you know what they are but they're not legible because it probably takes you a minute to figure out what it is yeah absolutely yeah you couldn't read 
like you couldn't read a paragraph written in the style of Metallica's name because or like the Cannibal Corpse logo. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you... it's like a bunch of twigs thrown on the ground. Yeah, you'd get physically like while it would be possible, you'd get tired. There's a lot more thought goes into it, I guess. Is that the problem? It also take a lot longer to like actually get through a page. Yeah, right. So basically, that's partially the reason why you need to make a like make a font because if the font is missing like accents and stuff, especially in all caps, right? Yeah, and the uh, the the other, but yeah, like it, it's just the the all caps thing in comics is just like tradition at this point, mm. and it is just kind of something you get used to with the medium. I I know some people who don't do all caps in comics mm. or Sandman actually plays a lot with like changing fonts and text layout with different characters to give different like voices. And whenever you do, like, because of that, whenever I see someone not using all caps for a comic character to speak, it always makes it sound like in my head, the comic character is incredibly posh and soft-spoken. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 I get you. Yeah. Yeah. So like doing so, yeah doing stuff with fonts to get something across, and therefore mm-hmm. you need like what is the neutral version of that, and yeah, which is dictated by tradition, unfortunately. Yeah, I think there's that like that raises the thing that I think about a lot, which is thinking about what the target <laughs> consumer or something is, because basically like every everything has conventions, and it's it's very yeah. difficult to. Um, to tease them apart so like well you're a ux designer so like obviously you think about this a lot (laughs) but like like my one of my day jobs is making medical software that in theory at some point down the road could be used by a clinician but in practice it's not it's not going to in the short term um Mm. but like that has to be a consideration you're like cool so actually could we drill this down to be one button if not then it's a problem because the conve- it needs to operate like work inside an existing workflow it can't like so if you're making yeah. a comic you basically need to read a lot of comics otherwise you don't know what the things that people who read comics are expecting so the most likely people to read your comic have conventions they expect and some of them will bounce off it if that convention isn't met um yes so i guess what i was what i was spinning around to is how do you find the time to read enough comics to to, to do that um it's actually something that i don't do enough of and i'm trying to get better at um Mm. okay so there's like a lot of different things there which is i was never into i was i tried i want to say in like my late teen years i tried to get into like the duopoly comics of marvel and dc yeah right um and like the main canon or whatever could not give a rat's ass about any of it um mm. except for i think the only one that ever i ever really liked was x-men mm. um but that's a, that's another story for another day it was also around the same time i was watching naruto and i think both like both of these kind of like frustrations coincided and i was like i really do not give a shit about stories that just don't end yeah endings are right, a crucial yeah. part of stories <laughs> and if your story doesn't have an ending it's fucked um yeah. that's kind of like my take on it so i think it was also like writer's strike tv era as well so a lot of other like narratives were also getting fucked yeah that'd be a very yeah. frustrating time actually to be reading comics and then coming to that realization because then all of your other options also have no endings because no one's paid <laughs> for them to be written 
<laughs> yeah, it was great. It was a great time for narratives yeah. as a whole. Um, yeah. What if everything was a but, cliffhanger? You can find yeah. out by existing in 2007. Was that when that was? About that, yeah. It was like it was like mid 2000s, mid to late 2000s. This is all coinciding. This is also like when I was similarly getting frustrated with web comics because a lot of web comics start without clear ideas for endings. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or or yeah. even clear ideas for where especially like i think a lot of the long-running web comics that like i at some point read some of or mm. like bounced off eventually was partly because it yeah like you like there's no no it's constructed with no ending a lot of a lot of them are or you're like the prior knowledge required to understand now requires reading a lot of stuff where they didn't know what they were doing with it whereas if it was a closed loop then you'd be like cool so there's this closed loop of stuff to do and then there's a second like additional thing i could start at this there's a point to jump in whereas that yeah. often doesn't isn't the case yeah that's how like the the marvel and dc things work they use like the arc system of yeah. like there's these various story arcs and they're kind of somewhat self-contained mm-hmm. you just kind of have to people have compared it to like mythology which i think is an interesting comparison of just like you're meant to know the general vibe of spider-man in the same way that ancient greeks were meant to know the general vibe of zeus and then, like, you could just pick up any other story about him. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, I think uh, um, the like that does that does make sense. I think there's the the especially watching like the Marvel films. I often find some some vague understanding I had of a character doesn't gel with like the film I've jumped into watching that I hadn't potentially seen the previous one of. So actually, yeah. sometimes the like you're supposed to know enough about like say what's going on with well spider-man's a bad example was the whole frights thing uh <laughs> yeah iron i think man thor is, is like a better example oh, okay yeah or you know like or iron man because you're like well the 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 robert Downey jr iron man character is supposed to have a lot of stuff like specific stuff going on and character dynamics going on that you're supposed mm. to be roughly familiar with but you could have read like a few iron man comics at some point and not know what's going on now <laughs> And then yeah. the film doesn't make sense and the preconceived notions don't make sense because it's that's kind of the inherent problem of reusing reusing properties and having like a continuous moving blob yeah there's also there's some really weird stuff happening with the marvel universe around that because it's like it's getting like weirdly meta or no it was even from the get-go it was like weirdly meta so like mm. first of all like a lot of the marvel cinematic universe is based especially in the early days is based off the ultimate marvel comic series yeah like this big reboot they did in the late 90s that um mid to late 90s that was like we need to reimagine our properties but maybe make them a bit more realistic Mm. basically they were trying they were trying to discard all the like campiness that they'd picked up in the like 60s 70s and 80s basically yeah right Yeah, yeah um that's why, like, you know, Wolverine wears a leather jacket in the X-Men movies and not his, like, blue and yellow. I don't even know where that comes from. Wolverines are not blue and yellow. <laughs> like, it's, um, <laughs> no, it's uh, they, that, that's the, he, he wears the X-Men colors, but in, like, the most <laughs> garish possible form. <laughs> it, there, was, there was, like, five inks back in the day. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cheaper also, to print I, him as yellow. <laughs> Yeah, it was also why I looked up the like why did this why are all comics in all caps and the tradition comes from the fact that basically cartoonists were never trained in typography and mm. you had to use to like hand letter with stencils and stuff like that 
but if you had like if you did lowercase then you'd have to know where to place the g so the 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 like the drop part of the g was actually going in the correct place and it didn't look wonky and stuff yeah I mean, uh, easier yeah. with all caps to just do a line and like everything has to be on the line yeah um sense. but yeah it's all based on like the ultimate universe and whatnot and one of the like twisted things they did with ultimate iron man is they made him an alcoholic mm. and sure i like that was very interesting exploration at the time i think people really liked that but then it's the same time it was just like we've cast robert downey jr because in real life robert downey jr is an alcoholic but yeah. we never bring it up in the movies <laughs> no it, the movie version of him is more like emotionally distant and you're like oh yeah dark there's like there's like weird implications that yeah the movie character version of him is alcoholic or whatever because mm. like he doesn't drink unless really stressed or something it's like it's one of those things where like as someone who'd read the ultimate iron man comic so it was like oh yeah they're doing ultimate iron man because he has the vibe <laughs> of an al- recovered alcoholic yeah. and i'm like wait no one has ever said that <laughs> in a movie <laughs> yeah and is that just because like you know robert Downey jr has like a yeah. substance abuse problem you're like okay well it's the yeah <laughs> That's uh, that's funny. It's kind of the vibe. It's one of those things. It's like the, I always think, I find a lot of those. Oh, they're like a high, really high functioning like drug addict or alcoholic, and you're like, yeah, but that doesn't. That works less well with Tony Stark because you're being like, and he's a genius scientist who sits around and does lots of maths. <laughs> like, it's like, like I mean, like. I'm just pointing out that I'm a scientist and I cannot do drunk maths, <laughs> and it's not that I can't do it. It's that I can't do it at all. <laughs> <laughs> so you're really like not only is he the best in the world at this he's also always drunk and you're like okay well, that's cool like at least with like don draper and Mad Men, you were like well he's doing like catchphrases for advertising drunk <laughs> so that's yeah. kind of you know it's it's more realistic how he get a small amount of work done that like required a lot of effort and insight but like the total output was like not uh not large whereas tony walks in and is like i built this robot you're like when did you build the robot you were drunk <laughs> you'd be killed by one of your machines like a drill would you drill into yourself or something yeah yeah so it's 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 yeah it's very like weirdly high stakes like you you're drunk and you're coming up with a graphic design or marketing campaign like the worst that happens is you don't get the account yeah. whereas like tony stark like ends the world or opens that portal to the where all the sky whales live yeah or like uh, drops a wrench on his foot and his foot's broken <laughs> yeah i mean it's like something stupidly lackluster like that yeah whereas like don's like oh i ruined it in a notebook i'll have to get one out of the st- story um but yeah, in terms of comic consumption, um, online, like web comic-y stuff mm. has um, been the way I've been doing it for the last couple of years. And similarly for that reason, like also at the same time, I had the realization that a lot of like web comics didn't have endings planned or even worse, were just like, um, like, ran- like f- free associating mm. like comics, basically. They were just like making it up as they go. There wasn't even arcs planned. Um, that I think became a lot of like frustration of a lot of webcomic artists, a lot of webcomic viewers and like people who were wanted to be like more traditional cartoonists, but realized the internet was probably the way to go. And they started offering a superior platform, like superior story. Yeah. Um, I think the first one that ever felt like it knew what the fuck it was doing was, um, Dr. McNinja. <laughs> uh which was uh-huh. very absurd but it was very clear like after issue one or two 
that uh, they knew what they were doing, and mm. he, like the guy behind it, did have an did have an ending planned. And I know there's like some, like, uh, I don't know what you would call them, but like Hive Works, for example. If anyone's like reads web comics, you've probably read a web comic that's been hosted by Hive Works. Hmm. Hive Works. Um, when you submit to HiveWorks to be like a comic on their like network or platform, I'm not sure how they describe themselves, kind of like an online publisher, I guess, hmm. they require that you send them the ending. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they're like, they've, it's gotten a bit like the quality control, I think has gotten a bit better on mm-hmm. web comics for sure. And I've also seen people who, well, actually, no, I've only saw this recently that I found very inspire, inspiring. There's a really great, um, comic called cosmonites uh knight as in like um you know knights templar mm. right? um very good like very against the patriarchy kind of story um maybe a bit heavy-handed in its metaphor but it's still very very enjoyable and colorful and beautifully done um that is and it's making out a lot of lists of like best comics of this year type of thing and the author, um, she basically made the first issue of this graphic novel. It's going to be like a serialized graphic novel, kind of like Scott Pilgrim or something like that. And mm. she just put the first issue online to be like read on a viewer mm-hmm. uh, at the same time that there was also print on a vi- like available. So she's kind of doing like the almost freemium model. Or I don't know what you would call yeah, it. Yeah, like... no, it's a, yeah, that's like a, I think with episodic stuff, that's like become quite common. Also with like mm. a lot of types of media that are that, that like that that form mean like oh well at least the first episode or book or thing of it of freely available to get you into it is that the idea? I think well no because like I think she hasn't made the second issue yet. Oh right okay. And it probably like it looks like each one of these is going to take probably a year. Um, oh, you mean but... the digital version is free and but you can you can pay for it. yeah I'd be like freemium yeah yeah. Yeah, and then the, you can pay for a printed version, which I'm very tempted to do because it is very pretty. Yeah, um, the, yeah, yeah. I think um, it's interesting. I think as well about. So I just ordered myself a. The, yeah, if we ever release this episode, it'll be too late for an anyway. But the Chris Remo, the guy who did the music for Firewatch, is like oh. reissuing the soundtrack on vinyl, and he's like, mm-hmm. you could always have bought the digital version of the soundtrack in multiple places if you wanted to but people have been asking him over the years like oh we want to buy a physical copy and it's interesting because like a lot of stuff does that where you're like oh there's a physical version you can buy like if you look scare like Bandcamp, i imagine comics mm. are the same like there's artists that would be like oh well, like you could buy either for a very nominal fee comparatively this digital album but i have also gotten a limited number of vinyls pressed and you could buy them <laughs> um and they're obviously much much more expensive but it is kind of like yeah. um I remember I I remember who who was who described it like this, but it, specifically about vinyl. It was someone who's kind of annoyed at the resurgence of vinyl, and it was some musician being like, "They've just become like fetish objects," which is true because you're just yeah. like, "I really just like this thing, and I'd like to have it, and I will play it occasionally." But mm. I appreciate this is not the optimal the optimal way for me to enjoy this medium. It's just it's just uh, like as in I think that a lot with like. Um, I'm not into comics, but kind of things I've bought physical physical versions of from like I don't really use it that much. I use it like an amount, but it's yeah. um that's not what it's think, about. It's about like having it to like peruse every now and then, I guess. So there, 
there was a really interesting like before we like leave music as a discussion i remember seeing there's a um british-based rapper um i i only found this like i can't tell you the name or anything because i only found this via like twitter because i still friends with like some irish club organizers mm. and irish rap or british rapper basically talking about like uh why he still does physical only releases mm. um he made like a cd like compact disc not even vinyl and from selling 10 cds he made like um no from selling like 20 cds mm-hmm. he made like 250 pounds yeah um and then from like 10,000 streams he made like a hundred pounds yeah or something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. he was like this is why i still do physical only releases like there's like he has cds where he has music on them that like you can't hear anywhere else um and that's like super interesting that that's still like the econ- the economics of that is still working out that way um and yeah i understand like the weird like vinyl is very pretty whenever i see like vinyl collections and stuff like that it is very nice but I also feel like the only reason why people would have them or like the, f- the reason I would feel like it is like this is a conversation starter. Like, yeah. welcome to my house. And like, here's the vinyl that I have. Here's my wall uh, of wall of stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, because, OK, so it's it's worth pointing out that I kind of do the same thing with ebooks. Mm. Like I will buy or download ebooks. And then there's only a couple that I've ever felt like after reading them on the ebook that I'd like I would like the physical book version of this. Um, and I can tell myself it's because, oh, I can lend it out to people, which shouldn't really do with vinyl because vinyl is very sensitive. But, um, oh, it's not as sensitive as people try and make out. Um, especially like enough. modern vinyl. So if you buy a new pressing, so like I've mm. like, so, so, so some of mine is like old stuff I've picked up in like London record shops that are like, you get, you get like, especially like eighties vinyl was like incredibly mm. thin because it was the mass market media format like pre-tapes becoming successful yes so they were trying to make them as cheap as possible to make as much money as possible (laughs) so they're really really thin whereas now is there like a premium thing that you buy and they'll sell very few of them they can charge you more money and sell you like incredibly thick comparatively vinyl that's not that is a lot more durable so like you're not Mm. you're unlikely to like smash your vinyl accidentally yeah you can scratch it but like as in it's not as like delicate as i think people make out especially like newer newer stuff but anyway mm. yeah no you wouldn't lend it around exactly i think yeah i find i find one practical use for buying vinyl which is the reason i originally started doing it which was um having like so i used to live in <laughs> I used to live in this house that had like the window in my room was rotting and therefore there was a terrible draft in winter mm. so it got quite cold in my room and my problem was i was trying to learn I was, it was when i was trying to learn to program and i was finding what i would do is i'd sit down get like engulfed in what i was doing sit basically still for like an hour and a half and then i'd be like my hands are too so cold and i I like i'd be like I'd, I'd frozen myself solid so i was like okay i need to i need to like come up with a reason to like move to stop and move so the idea hmm. would be i have to change the side on my vinyl because <laughs> 20 or so minutes have passed yeah and it was and if I find, because I was, there was, so we moved when uh, we moved to this apartment, we didn't have anywhere to put my record player that was like u- any but useful. So I just did, ended up not setting it up for quite a while. Um, 
Um, and that I was finding I needed this year during the pandemic, I was like, I need to read more because I'm not reading enough stuff for work during work hours. And But I just, I can't set up my computer anymore just sitting here reading. Um, so I sit here typing. So it's, I go into the other room with a tablet and sit on my couch and put a record on. And similarly, I have to get up after 20 minutes. I'm not going to like stop working and like do something else. It's like a reason to get up and like physically change it. It is annoying when you do something longer because then you're like, oh, the 20 minutes of my vinyls are nine to go change this fucking... And like EPs and stuff are too short. So you constantly need to get up (laughs) and (laughs) flip the side. This is why automatic record play, like automatic record changers were were more of a thing and they're not really a thing anymore. Unless you want to buy a, like a... a It'd be quite expensive to get one in good condition. But yeah, it was like as a make yourself do a thing for a short-ish period of time and move on was mm. um, a practical use I find of it. I do find I read a lot more now, now that I move, like, got, find somewhere to put, set it, got somewhere to set it up and, like, nice. have, a, have a room for it. It's very, it's, it's a, but it is, it is very much, like, the actual purpose of it is a fetish object to talk to people about and be like, I have this vinyl, do you have this vinyl? <laughs> yeah, Which I is, feel like that... <laughs> That's the like that's the terrible what the terrible like inner thought that it's appearing whenever I like buy a physical copy of a book that I already mm. have the ebook for. And it's just like do I do I actually want this or just do I want people to know I have this or have read it? Um <laughs> it's very upsetting. Mainly because also I find the Kindle very handy because now that I have a baby, mm. um I'll be probably doing reading while the lights are off. Yeah. Um, so the Kindle is the only way I could do that. <laughs> oh, that's that's a uh, yeah, that's legit. Yeah. Yeah. So in short, I do not have time for a lot of comics, except for some web comics that I read at like lunchtime on my in my work. Yeah, I think it's 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 quite funny to think about, but like the because I find the same thing with like consuming content that i want to consume is mm. sometimes it feels like work to get started because you're like oh but i just don't, i don't have the time to do this and then when you have like a short amount of time to do it you're like i must enjoy this now or else <laughs> i won't enjoy i won't have time later which then yeah. feels a bit like once i'm doing it it'll be fun but it's the starting doing it for some reason is like oh no ah, oh, that sounds awful yeah <laughs> Which is just very silly when you're like, but this is the first thing I enjoy. Why do I, mm. why do I have this like visceral dislike of <laughs> starting doing it or like thought process where I have to be like, I I, just, I can't read any more comics. I don't have time. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's starting to happen. I, I guess like, so it's it's kind of in the last couple of years, um, it's become kind of handy that like basically now every TV show and film is just pissing me off. So I don't bother mm. with them anymore. <laughs> uh, um, like I was listening to a podcast that was talking about children of men, which came out in 2006 and I can feel myself becoming old and be like, yes, that was when movies were good yeah. and exclusively that movie and no other movies. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, because the the same podcast was also talking about Gran Torino a movie that I've watched and I'm like I don't want to watch Clint Eastwood versus all the minorities no No. like why do people make me watch this I hate this and it was it was all like 
you know pretentious movie like nerds telling me like oh you have to see this movie and i'm like no it's just him saying anti-asian slurs (laughs) Uh, i don't like this um and no one except clint eastwood in this film can act because none of them are actors um god i I can't believe anyone liked gran torino fuck that movie so much but um uh what was i to say uh where was i going with that oh yeah so i i find myself with a lot of time to do like the things i want to do Mm. um i feel like i i miss out on i think the only thing i genuinely miss is video games Mm. um because uh when the the uh george floyd black lives matter protests were happening and that huge itch.io bundle came out yeah oh man oh oh i had i had such notions that i would play like so many of those games (laughs) and i think i played um I think I played like two hours of random access memories, which is very good. Yeah, I've heard that's but, great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I also have that downloaded. Yes, and, I, uh... I do have that downloaded. <laughs> but I am, so I am finally thinking about Quadrado Cowboy. Um, oh, right. The yeah. Brendan Chung, um, Brendan Chung game. I guess probably his longest game. Because <laughs> that's, yes, um, this is a good transition to talking about Hugh's hobbies and his dreams and aspirations. Yeah, so I have a small games company, which is incorporated. I'm a director of it. Whoa, yeah, whoa, we, um, whoa. We have a company. I have some vague company. ideas and scripts for comic stuff. <laughs> yeah, me and a friend of mine have a games company called Questionable Systems. Um, yes. Limited. Because <laughs> we're a limited company. <laughs> um, which I enjoy saying, but, you know, in, in practice, you know, amounts to not, a, not as much of my, like, workday as I would like. And obviously, officially, it takes up none of my workday. Um, <clears throat> nor does this podcast. This podcast officially takes up none of my, none of my workday. Um, yes, yes, yes. The, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I find, I guess I'm finding it hard to find enough time to play ga- the games I want to play. So, like, I started playing Quarter Dollar Cowboy because I've been meaning to play it for, I guess, three years. <laughs> three, two, two to three years since it came out. I've been trying to, like, trying to find time to play it ever, ever since. Um it's great. It's just a really, really clever, clever game. And mm. it's one of those things that when you're playing, especially now that I've been trying to make games for a while, um, there's definitely been like the switch that's gone off where I can see the seams in things a lot more. Because like, oh, yeah. so Brendan Chung's games are like, if you don't know them, are like everything is like one. It's called Quadrilateral Cowboy because everyone is like a cube person. <laughs> <laughs> um, everything is a quadrilateral and that is like partially yes. because it's a one-man operation effectively um but also that's his style like all of his games look like that and it's like an intentional style he's gone with um mm. and it looks very very good and they're very very polished and like by you can see the seams i don't mean like you can see the the, the angles because that's intentional <laughs> it's the <laughs> it's the bit where i'm like oh how does this work that like yes it's a, for, for certain bits and there's certain bits that are like cutscenes where you're like Oh, I can see the collision boxes, even though they're invisible, that you've like mm. done to rein this bit in, or um, which makes cert- playing certain games like a bit annoying, especially because so Quadrilateral Cowboy, I guess I describe it as like a puzzle game largely, um, right? Yeah, because you you program like what basically you have a computer terminal that you carry around with you, and you can program like a door to open for a certain number of seconds. So you have to mm. do that. You have to write the program out then do the actions in the order you've like done them 
before like the alarm goes off because you've turned off a camera in six seconds for three seconds kind of thing <laughs> so it's very very clever but there's like interesting things of like oh this is like i see how you hooked this up with a lot of like weird triggers and stuff and they get to a slightly more complicated bit i'm like how the fuck has he done this <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't man if i made this it'd be such a disaster it was like it's over wrong but it's uh that's the thing that's the, that's the kind of example of like i guess the same with you of comics is like the scene stuff and you're like oh i see like a mistake here or like i i would have designed this differently it was like but mm-hmm. i wouldn't have known to do that if i hadn't if i hadn't played this i think especially like more playing time and time playing more indie stuff because like a lot of I would like I I would like to play I like I like to play games. There's, there's certain games I like that have replayability. So like I play lots of multiplayer like online multiplayer games that are in no way useful for for the exercise of like learning more about uh, thinking about design processes. Like mm. uh, playing Overwatch is in no way beneficial to anybody, <laughs> but it's very fun. <laughs> you know, it's the it's yeah, a enormous waste of everyone's time. Um, but yeah, there's that. Um, I started playing the I played the Witness as well, and similarly, which is also I guess a puzzle game, um, like a much prettier, like a very pretty game, and mm. very very interesting. But sim- similarly, it's just like a oh man, th- like plotting this out off like you know on in like a planning document before you ever make any actual stuff is very like unsatisfying. Yeah. This is something that I like. That's probably the most difficult thing. Um, I I find generally like to keep myself motivated is like getting a thing that's like a closed thing that's finished. Like something where you're like, I spent four hours on this. What's the output? Have I fixed a bug? <laughs> is that it? <laughs> <laughs> or do I have a thing that now moves or like looks good? Um, which I guess is the appeal of making smaller stuff. It's like atomizing your work is a. Mm. I'm thinking about how to atomize my work is like largely what I spend my time doing more. And I guess because it's like me and someone else, I spend a lot of time thinking about what the next atomized thing will be and how they tie together, mm. which is sometimes satisfying. But more often than not, it's like, oh, I don't want to open the planning document because I have to do planning on it. <laughs> well, yeah, this is the, like, the ultimate form of procrastination of just like writing the list of what you're going to do. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And the game I'm working on now needs a script. I need to write it. But oh uh, yeah, look at that. You know that now I'm just gonna write a list about what bits of the script I need to write. <laughs> Beginning, middle, end. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's another. That's another day's work done. I'm done. For, 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 for um. Yeah, I find the 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 story circle is a, a very good way of planning a story. Mm. Um probably one that i think is like way more um uh, pick up and go than like other ways of like supposedly thinking about plots like I, i've i've read um save the cat which i find largely useless <laughs> um i that that yeah i think it was save the cat is like i think a bit more geared towards like selling scripts than mm. um than actually like writing them whereas i think dan Harmon's story circle which is based on the mono myth but like has definitely reduced it down to like the points in which you can like remove all the like Jungian bullshit from the <laughs> mono myth and just get down to like how stories like work 
um yeah that's probably like the better way to go um if you're looking for like a way to like hack a plot together uh um, yeah that's good advice the broad strokes yeah i know i strongly recommend it um, i'm gonna write that on my I whiteboard use. nice i had a whiteboard <laughs> draw a circle that's what i'll do I'll, I this. I'll know what that means later <laughs> just come back to it oh what does O stand for? <laughs> I'm going to put an arrow at some point of it to make it clear that it's a... Q? What does Q stand for? <laughs> yeah, so we mentioned logos earlier, and the logo of my games company is just a Q because we went with... Neither of us are like... <laughs> like, both of us would like to think that we can make art, and we can, to an extent, but we are not graphic <laughs> designers, and therefore our logo is not complicated. <laughs> Um, yeah, I could make a logo for you. <laughs> well, we can discuss that. You're uh, you're very good at that. The um, I say you just I personally I'd say just go with the croissant at this point. Go croissant. Cr- yeah, that's a good idea. The, the croissant, the like the the croissants you have in the your first game, croissants are mm. very iconic. I feel like they they should become your um your studio's basically equivalent of like the one up mushroom or whatever. Just make yeah, that we can do that. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We should talk. We should talk about this. That would be a a good thing. And I can pay above zero. <laughs> <laughs> pay in friendship. Um, <laughs> well, like ten years down the line, when I become like an insufferable, deranged friend that you don't really want to hang out with anymore, you're just like, well, he made me a logo, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Stick with him. I promised him yeah. that if he made the logo, yeah. friends forever. Yeah. I got invited to another one of Kieran's racism parties. <laughs> That's just Why did he become this person? Yeah. Yeah, so I guess the um the the point of the podcast is to see what we've been up to and yes. if that has stagnated to give each other a kick in the face. But also to discuss European leftism. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's just uh, a... that's just going to be a bleed over from our previous projects because we're just going to be it's going to be unavoidable that we talk about it at some point. I think that's a good three act structure. Is like, mm. <laughs> how is the left in Europe doing? Not, the answer not is always bad. Yeah, you know, obviously a specific thing. Uh, what's Kira up to? What's you up to? <laughs> so, like, what what concrete action have you taken to like make comics this week? I mean, like with this period since the last podcast, which is inter- eternity. Eternity. Well, I uh, um, was born. I did an mm. animation portfolio course when I was fifteen. Uh, solid. Yeah, yeah, solid. <laughs> yeah, 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 this is all, 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 all kind of related. Um, God, no. Uh, yeah, I used to want to be an animator, and then like I got an animation job when I was seventeen. And I was like, no, fuck this. Mm. Um, yeah, what was what, what did I do this week? I did. I did a self-portrait, which I've loaded onto uh, uh, the the. I've now made a separate Instagram for my art stuff. Nice. Because um, I've decided that Instagram, like my personal Instagram, is going to be like my sincere mm. um, social media. Mm-hmm. Um, for anyone who doesn't understand what that means, uh, follow me on Twitter <laughs> for like the deranged nonsense I usually use social media for. <laughs> um, Wait, is that stuff not sincere? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mostly today was talking about like um, that Hungarian MEP who was um, caught at an illegal orgy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then was like, 
burst out through a window naked in the streets of Brussels, fending off the police, trying to dec- like trying to claim diplomatic immunity. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Oh, it's so good. Massive homophobe, though. Um, so as much as I love the energy of yelling diplomatic immunity while naked in the streets of Brussels, we cannot stand this king in particular. But wasn't um, it wasn't it a gay orgy? Yes. Yeah. yeah but so he's all... no, I know, but that but... that makes it that does bring it back to being funny because like if he's <laughs> if he was just at an illegal orgy of of any sort of like undescri- undescribed sort yeah, sort, we, we should and say was that also this is it would be... we, yeah. We should say this orgy was illegal, not because Brussels is like surprisingly <laughs> regressive in terms yeah, no, of uh, yeah. sexuality. It's more it was illegal due to Corona um, people gathering reasons. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, yes. there was twenty five people there. I'm pretty sure the limit in Brussels at the moment and all of Belgium is like four <laughs> that people can meet up at once. Yeah, and for keen observers who aren't drunk, because you have to do drunk maths, uh, yeah, four is less than twenty four. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, the the I, so in terms of setup, I've created a font with solid uh, all diacritics that I need, except for mm-hmm. the S set and the stupid letters that I would need for like the Nordic languages. So I don't have the A with the hoop over it or the O with the cross through it. I don't have those yet. Um, then, oh, what else? To the self-portrait, started the social media, and I also I got a scanner so that the oh, three, nice. the three kind of pages that I've made of the comic that I'm working on so far have now been uploaded and are now like digital because I intend to continue this project digitally. Mm. Um, mainly because I realized that I would probably have to translate these comics at some point because I'm 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 going full I'm going full Euro comics baby Tintin. Um, so yeah, I I don't want to handwrite all the comics anymore because that was going to be a problem. That's a that's really solid progress, man. That's like mm. you know, actual progress. Watch it, watch it slow down because the problem with um uh, the problem with like working digitally is setting up my tablet and stuff and the drawing computer because it's not the computer I'm talking through right now. I have a separate drawing computer because this is my work computer. Oh um, right, yeah yeah. Um, don't have time to ever really set that up and actually work. So watch, watch this, watch this stagnate. Well, See that I'll, next episode, um, I'll bully you about it, so that'll nice solve that problem. <laughs> this, this could turn into a very mean podcast very quickly. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. But you can be mean to me as well. So that's that's a that's an option. You know, it's a trade off. Yes. Yeah. If you have that. How about you? What's What's the progress um, towards uh, video games been this week? Yes, yeah, so I'm making a game where you're in a boat on a lake in the mm. mountains. And one of the features of that is that you have lots of trees. And so I had previously made a bunch of low poly kind trees as like background trees. Mm. Um, but uh, <laughs> my partner on the project pointed out, he was like, the frame rate on the like test level you made to show off the trees and like the basic mechanics of the boat working is like 15 frames a second on my computer mm. which for people who don't know that like 60 is the standard on games <laughs> um, we're 25% of the way there baby yeah yeah I was like huh but there's mm, something's gone wrong so I spent quite a while debugging shaders to find 
what the problem was and i eventually found what the problem was it was basically a um a like on all on every leaf of the trees there was additional lighting calculations that were unnecessary every frame so Mm. the number of like draw calls that the 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 gpu needed to make was like went from about like a like a 10x increase (laughs) due to the forest that's one of those things that I think, at, like, the longer you do something like, like stuff like this, the um, the better you get at debugging like obvious problems. Because you're like, you end up learning like getting techniques of like, cool with this piece of software, how would I figure out what the problem is? I think because we moved to a new game engine, I didn't know exactly mm-hmm. like what how to go about doing that, um, and. Uh, yeah, we're using this open source game engine called Godot, which is really good. I really recommend it to anyone if they were looking for a game engine. Um, yeah, uh, they just allowed me to like you could, like run the profiler to show me how much stuff was being done while the game was running, which was quite good. Mm. And then I could turn off the trees, and in real time, it would happen, and I'd see the the graph drop. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, this is a really good tool. <laughs> so I learned how to use the de- the debugging tools in Godot, which was pretty pretty good. It produced nice. no output because all it did was fix an existing level that I could already take screenshots of. So anyone mm. who I was trying to impress with the test level, including you, <laughs> I had already sent them <laughs> screenshots of a of what actually, as it turned out, was a very broken test level. <laughs> um, and the reason I didn't notice before because, um, a, a humble brag, I have quite a good computer because <laughs> I need a good computer for work. Yes, of course. Um, so I have a very fancy graphics card I purchased, um, and therefore it was able to run the level fine. But once it ran on even slightly worse hardware, it immediately crapped out, which makes perfect sense. And in no way yes. should you ever make a, make anything that's targeted at only people who have like, you know, six seven hundred pound graphics cards. Just for the graphics card, yeah, that's uh, not a great not a great strategy. Um, no, but I'm learning, and I learned. I I, fi- I fixed one problem, and I did nothing else. That was it. <laughs> no, that's great. That is great progress. You have staved off bullying for another week. So true. Yeah. yeah. This was, could be uh, like. Um, I feel like we'll never make a Patreon for this podcast, but if we did, it'd be like you can submit potential uh, insults for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We can, we, can ins- or... we can insult you uh, and tell you you're not being productive enough um, mm. yeah this is the uh, um, the dominant subcategory yeah <laughs> I think this. I think it is a very millennial thing to have like guilt about not f- working on like a side project of yours <laughs> yeah I mean that that's uh, that's that's an episode topic right there uh, so we'll talk about next time yeah, the the ever present pressure to like. Yeah, I have thoughts about that. That's a good topic. Yeah, we should discuss that next next time. And uh, next time. Yeah, because it's it's interesting because it's not like a. It's not like a a a a guilt about not succeeding. It's about like not not being productive enough, which is like complete bullshit. But it's it's the yeah. it's the way I'm wired. I wonder. So that's, uh, yeah, I wonder if that was a because like. Yeah, you're talking about the way like not being productive enough. I I think I'm talking about the like the kind of pr- pressure put on millennials to do what you love, 
even though like oh yeah 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 none of that was like ever feasible for our generation i don't think um no i yeah. think those two things tie in together a lot because because yes, it's like sure. sorry i need to take, uh, get the door so do we have to figure out how to to sign off this new podcast now yeah um um dream buddies is the production of love (laughs) 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 produced by Kieran Delton Kira Brian in the dream space (laughs) I was gonna say keep on dreaming uh keep on dreaming yeah